0: Hi there, I'm Barry Forward, and welcome to the Reboot Forward Podcast. This is the podcast where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of change, reinvention, transformation, and just plain doing something different. In particular, how it impacts the people who go through that change, what they've learned from their journey through change, and ultimately, what has allowed them to reboot forward. My guests today on the podcast are award-winning, chart-topping Indigenous artists, Twin Flames, the husband and wife singer-songwriting duo of Chelsea June, Métis, Algonquin Cree from Ottawa, and Yi, Inuk and Mohawk from Nunavik, who have been long celebrated for their sonic landscapes spanning Canada and the Arctic and honouring their ancestors in the process. Their songs tell stories of courage and survival, They've been nominated for 28 music awards. They're three time winners of the Summer Solstice Indigenous Music Awards, and they've played more than 1,000 shows throughout Canada, Greenland, the US, Australia, and France. I spoke to them recently, leading up to their appearance on BEC Entertainment's Friday Night Special at BEC.live, and thought it would be great to share that conversation here on the podcast. The recording of my voice was somewhat suspect. They were fabulous. I thought I would share Chelsea and Yayi's story with you. Twin Flames are ready to take their music to the next level and are well on their way to becoming a household name here in Canada.
1: So Yai and I met on a television show in 2014. Um, I was a solo artist, and I I recorded a first album just to show my kids that if they have a dream, um, they should never give up. And so I never really thought it would go anywhere, uh, but it ended up on a TV producer's desk in Quebec City. And we were invited to be on that show. Well, I was. Um, The problem was I missed the email, and so they cast someone else. Uh, And when I saw it a month later, I I reached out and and the organizer said, sorry, all the spots are taken. And I just said, if there's a cancellation, please keep me in mind. And so a week later she called me and she said, can you be here tomorrow? There's a spot that's opened up on the show. And so I packed up my car and my mom and we drove to Quebec City from Ottawa, which is uh, the capital in Canada. And that took us about uh, five hours to to get there. And, uh, yeah, he happened to be casted on a different date as well, uh, for the show, but he was touring, so he had to move the date. And so we ended up on the same date of that show, uh, and that was July sixth of two thousand and fourteen, uh, and we met around a campfire. We, everyone was kind of singing tunes the night before filming, and so we often say our, our voices met before we did, and uh, that kind of just sparked the interest I think for both of us. Um, just that harmonies were so instantaneous and natural, and uh, we kind of just kept in contact. Uh, a few months after that TV show, and he came to visit me, and uh, yeah,
2: she wouldn't have me leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
2: Can you move in? <laughs> well, not not so much, but at the same time, kinda.
1: Yeah.
0: And you come from different parts of the continent, right? A little bit, it, and kind of merging in Ottawa. Kind of talk about that being in Ottawa as it relates to all the 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 songs that. You, you go through, right? It's a, it's an
2: interesting time to say Ottawa on your banner. Yeah, <laughs> I think respectively, I think uh, the fact that we had our own solo careers that were just um, starting up, I would say, um, her being from Ottawa and myself being f- originally from Nunavik, often mistaken for Nunavut. Um, <clears throat> Nunavik is in uh, Northern Quebec. And um, at that point, I was living in the Montreal area and it was uh it was definitely um a time in my life that i felt music was my escape um um among other things and it just at the point where at the end of my first season of touring and this was in uh 2014 um when i'm singing my songs or i thought i was singing my songs um the mouths that I'm looking at in the in the stands singing the songs word for word and then all of a sudden getting bewildered looks because they thought they were making a mistake in the tune they knew more song. they knew my songs more than I did my <laughs> own songs right and that was because uh for me music at that point you know it there was a there was a vice in there that was unfortunate and I uh, I was drinking quite a bit. And so I said, this is not right. You know, it's not fair for the fans. So that following fall, I quit drinking. And uh, I think that's in and around where Chelsea and I started to uh, visit each other as friends. And uh, soon after, just became a couple. And that's where looking at the following season, what that was going to look like, her being a a full-time government employee and me being this vagabond uh, touring artist uh, that was couch surfing that summer. Um, And it just ended up uh, making sense for both of us to use those uh, two voices that met that night around the fire and uh, turning it into a musical career slash uh, uh, harmonious marriage. And that,
0: and that kind of the, the result of that was an album, the first album in 2015, right? Is that uh, kind of the, the discography, if we will, <laughs> you know?
1: I, I would say we experimented a little bit before the very first album. Um, I have an album called uh, Chelsea June Finding Me, and I think two or three of the tracks feature Yayi and uh Yayi's uh, album Nunaga solo album features me on the very last track Tanasi. So I think that was a hint that we were going to we were going to start something together and uh Yayi just asked me, you know what? Like why don't you just take the summer off work and we just tour the Arctic cuz I have a bunch of shows lined up and I'll bring you and we'll bring a band and and we'll go up. And um, I was really excited, but I was really nervous, too, because I've I've never been at that point a stage performer. I was more like a basement studio where not even the producer could look at me because I was just painfully shy. And so um, I think it really like when we look back on, on our career and our journey and the trajectory of it, it seems like the north really did shape us. Um, because we were just touring nonstop, and it was community after community, and fly in only communities, really remote locations, and the community would just all come together for these beautiful festivals. And we just would play like we if, if the festival was five nights long, we were playing every single night. And so it really helped us to get that tightness in our band and in our sound. And just the volume of shows that we've played, like on average, about 300 shows a year, um, I think has really helped our musicianship and um, just kind of like our our psychic abilities, if you will, between the two of us, like just knowing where the other person's going and and the harmonies and um, what what we want to do and what we're trying to say, and so it's been a heck of a ride. Yeah,
2: I think I mean if if, if you consider um, how important a sound check is, and the amount of touring that we did, like we considered the North an amazing sound check. And we still even today feel that it's super important and we feel that the north also deserves the best sound possible. Because when you look at the rest of the world, especially the metropolitan areas where they get artists um, into their arenas, you know, we're the closest thing to a lot of these uh communities have to celebrities that come into play their their community and uh, we truly always feel honored and blessed that we are treated really well and uh, it's uh, it's a great exchange of our own cultures uh, where we come from and it's almost as if we're just meeting a bunch of uh, our family now to an amazing sound check
1: yeah, and I think they really helped build our self-esteem around mm-hmm. the musicianship and um, just helped build that solid foundation that, hey, we we can do this. Like people people actually enjoy what we're doing. <laughs> I know for me, it definitely helped.
0: What, do you, what do you, When you take that what I'll call northern I have sound uh, feeling, whatever it is, and go south with it, what, what, what do you think the difference is? What happens? Or what are you able to convey to the Southern audiences? Maybe is a question.
1: I think it just opens up a conversation. Um, yay and I, you know, have seen the evolution of the music industry and even just the world in the past seven years, as far as topics that are very sensitive, you know, when it comes to indigenous peoples here in Canada and just different races all over the world and you know i feel like we've kind of been at the forefront of it accidentally <laughs> it's just kind of we fell into this role where we were we were looked to and um, so i think when we're when we're in the south and people see the word indigenous beside our music it's kind of like a mixed it's been a mix of of receptions so in some parts of the country where they're not as forward thinking or perhaps not as open yet They're a little more afraid to come out to the shows and they're not sure what to expect. And then you have other areas of the country where people are super eager and really willing and really ready. And I think since 2020 has started to open up again, people have seemed to really miss live music, which is in a way a silver lining because a lot of people were getting complacent and they'd rather just sit at home and watch Netflix than actually come out and support an artist. And so we've noticed this wave since we've started again that people are actually coming out and, and shows are selling out um, in under 24 hours. And it's just amazing to see that interest. And I think everything that's happening in Canada right now, um, a lot of things have been pushed to the forefront with our children being uh, found in, in old residential schools and um people are starting to care a little bit more, which is nice. And so we never tap our music into any of those social things. But I think when people hear the word indigenous, we're just automatically associated to everything that's going on in our country. And so we kind of end up being put in a role of, of reconciliation and, and at the forefronts of that. And so it's been really beautiful to see how things are changing. And I I think we're, we're both really grateful for that. And if we're presenting to a non-Northern audience, it's it's about just bringing people in and inviting them into our space and sharing our stories from our points of view. Because first and foremost, CIE and I always say we cannot represent all Indigenous peoples in Canada. We can't. All we can do is represent ourselves, our own stories and our upbringings, and um, hopefully just bring people closer together and and help people understand that we are all human. We're all people, just like we we say in in one of our songs.
0: You, like many artists, were stuck behind uh, Zoom performances, (laughs) virtual performances. And what what does it mean to you to get back in front of an audience? What is that? uh, And looking, you said 300, averaging 300 shows a year. I mean, what's it going to be like to get back doing that again? What's it going to mean to you?
2: Well, we've we have so far a handful of shows that we've done uh, now uh, where we've uh, been invited to certain areas where where they're obviously more comfortable in having us, yeah. And uh it, the first first one we had was uh out just in the mountains uh, or the south shore of Montreal. <clears throat> and it was It was very um, daunting at first because we were so used to looking at the little uh, camera in front of us. (laughs) Um, uh, And then all of a sudden, you're having real reactions. Um, I think after song number two, uh, or leading into song number two, it just seemed like all of a sudden we were back to normal. Uh, The preparation factor, obviously... um, you know, when we're used to just coming up the stairs and going into our studio and our live virtual stage and setting up everything and everything is at your fingertips from playing with the effects where we're going from effects when we're singing to turning them off just before we start talking. You know, at first, you know, I'm I'm, I'm on stage in front of people and I'm, I'm looking for my phone to, 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 to shut off my my, uh, my effects but we have our sound guy for that and we keep we kept forgetting that and it just now like obviously uh we're tailoring uh every day to what is coming and tomorrow we have our first live full band show with an actual pa system that is set for for a live uh, outdoor event uh we did one uh, last month uh in uh Wesley Clover Park for Rogers TV where we were playing to cars that was a bit different as well you know it was like we're in an episode of uh uh Speed McQueen or, or that cartoon <laughs> cars so now uh, you know it's, it's 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 we're still trying to adjust
1: yeah I think so and and especially like I'm a very emotional person and I would say the first few times that we performed in front of people, I had to relearn how to kind of dissociate that part because, like, the first time ever that we were in front of people again was for a vigil uh, for the first 2.15 that were found. And, you know, (laughs) that was really, really difficult emotionally. And so, you know, even just speaking about it, I, I, I got, you know, and having real people in front of us that are tearing up as well, it was really hard to not cry. And so I did cry a little bit, but I was able to like rein it back in. And even the first big show that we did in, in Montreal as well, it was it was so intimate. I say big show. It was so intimate because the capacity then was only 50 people. And so it's the same thing. Like you're feeling everybody in the audience's emotions. I, I like to think of it as almost like an energy exchange when you're the artist up there. And so you know that everybody in that art in that room has had such a difficult year. There's not one person that hasn't been touched by this. And so it was it was a very emotional night. Um, but that part I think is getting easier as we progress and, and get in front of more audiences. Tomorrow is is crazy because we've heard the capacity's just been bumped to five thousand people. Um, and so I don't know what that's gonna feel like if, if actually five thousand people show up because you know, we haven't been around real people in, in a year and a half so it's 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 a relearning and and relearning of time management um because there's just so much going on all the time and now we have to mix into getting back out on tour again and and getting on airplanes again and um putting a lot of kilometers on our truck
0: <laughs> let's talk about the out the album last year omen what uh, i mean omen the name of it just alone like what was that for the year? What was where did that all come from? How did you get to Omen and and talk, talk, talk about that album? I think
2: years of just hearing um, what my grandfather would tell me and what he would tell the government on how things were changing. It, my, my grandfather, uh, who adopted me, um, you know, he was a part of the um the environmental impact commission for for the national level the regional level and the international level and he would often tell these uh these men in suits uh that you know the world is changing and unless we smarten up you know things are going to be very drastic and these are prophecies that were foretold by our our elders uh millennial and and so for us you know when we started touring in 2019, uh, pre-pandemic, you know, nobody knew this was going to happen. Uh, the, the, the majority of the world didn't know this was going to happen. But we're on tour. We're in between the Edmonton Folk Festival and the Junior National uh, Indigenous Games, uh, Canadian Games, uh, Canada Games in Saskatchewan. So we rent this uh, mansion because it was cheaper to rent a mansion than have three hotel rooms. And we rented the gear and we started to uh, work on our songs. And Omen was already on the back of our minds, what we were going to call this album.
1: Yeah, it was already kind of chosen before that. Yeah. And I think even the songs we had been writing throughout 2018 and 2019, um, just yayi and I, and uh, it was... It was something that we saw coming, not the pandemic per se, and not to say that we're psychics or anything like that. But I think with the amount of touring that we were doing in places all over the world, every time we would leave from somewhere or arrive somewhere, it was like a natural disaster that has never happened in that place or something that they had never had or ever seen And, you know, Australia, we toured there and then right after we left, Australia was burning, you know, the whole the whole continent was pretty much on fire. And so there were just so many things when we were in Los Angeles, they had like record breaking rains and landslides and all of these things, um, even when we were touring up in the Arctic. Um, we were on a, a students on ice expedition with climate specialists and, you know, there was so much sea ice in certain regions where there never used to be. And so people couldn't hunt and fish the way they needed to. And then in other areas where there needed to be sea ice, there was none and the glaciers were crumbling into the ocean. And so I think a lot of it was influenced by what we were seeing in 2019, and and coming tying into the traditional teachings and, and the scientific teachings of, of Yai's grandfather, who was also born in an igloo, um, which I find fascinating. He went to igloos, from igloos to internet in, in under 60 years in his lifetime. And so um, just the amount of knowledge that he had and that he passed on. So the title track Omen on the album is kind of an ode to that and, and to to things that we saw coming. And then... 2020 happened and so we actually cut like the demo as Yai was saying in Alberta in that in that amazing mansion um we're convinced it was probably a little haunted but uh it was it was so fun uh we had the whole band there and and we cut the demo and that was in August of 2019 and so our hopes were to finish the album when we got back from that tour but we were just completely booked which is amazing but we also knew we needed to release an album and so fast forward to like March of 2020 um, we had just finished a Manitoba tour we had booked the studio space everything was going to happen we were going to make sure that the album got finished because the band members had all tracked all the instruments and everything was ready to go it was just lyrics and final vocals that were needed and um, then we played in a school, and the next day the world shut down. And so we were like, what are we going to do? You know, how A, how are we going to work? How are we going to support our families? Um, we're both musicians. Like, this is our full-time thing. And between us, we have six children. So there was a huge amount of fear. Um, but I think we just kind of tried to stay focused. and And, yeah, you worked with our producer, Jake, Uh, jake jones to to build a home studio we emptied out our master bedroom and we turned the closet into a recording booth and put in webcams and he was able to record record us in real time through zoom and nexus and um, even just getting the equipment in the beginning of the pandemic was just you know waiting for a computer we got the wrong computer first and then returning that and then waiting for another computer because you couldn't just walk into a best buy and, and buy the gear that you needed and so once we got up and running, um, the album came together quite quickly and, and that was last summer and then we released it in August 28th of, of 2020 and, and that's how Omen was born.
0: And about <clears throat> Battlefield being the, I'll call it the big, the big song out of it. It's kind of auspicious that it's Battlefield.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Battlefield is an even older song actually, um, when do you think? I think it was like 2017 when we started.
2: 2017, yeah, we started screwing around that. The beginning,
1: beginnings of it is probably 2015, and then we worked a little bit more on it in 2017. And then it finally just came to life on on Omen. And uh, it was a really important song for us, and it just ended up being really fitting for the time that it came out in. And so it was just, you know, to speak more about mental health and how all of us struggle And not one person has a perfect life, even though social media likes to portray those things and that we, we just didn't want people to feel alone in, in that. And, you know, I think 2020 was the year of feeling alone, um, and isolated. And so, um, we just had that picture in our minds of people putting in their earbuds and and listening to battlefields and feeling that sense that, that it's okay. It's okay to go through those emotions and feel those things But you got to hang on, you know, and we get through it.
2: I think. uh, Sorry, there. Sorry. I think. I think everything kind of ties together into the song choices that we have, because there are songs in there that didn't make it on the two previous albums, and there are songs that I have never released. uh, And there was a song that was born right in the middle of it as well, where it just said, "Oh, we don't have a love song." So we're just going to do that. And uh, so everything kind of ties into everything that is happening right now from from feeling the loss, feeling confined, feeling mental health, feeling as though there is too much hate based on on skin color and culture and class and this and that uh, to to uh, knowing that you can get through this uh, and having a loved one by your side to to being able to withstand anything depending on, on uh, what it is, obviously, but uh, knowing that you can get through it no matter what. So it was this really, uh, I almost deliberate, yet, not.
0: Well, I was prepping for this call by listening, I listened to a bunch of songs, but I kind of last one I listened to was a a YouTube uh, video of the grace to the tragically hip tune. Wow. What was
2: going on there for you? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think I think um this this uh <laughs> it was an accidental uh, uh lap it landed on our lap accidentally because uh in 2017 uh was uh, the year that we got invited by the Burlington Arts uh uh center uh to be a part of the uh Downey Wenjack Legacy uh project that they had And they invited uh, Canadian artists from across the country to be a part of uh, the roster where each uh, artist had to sing two of the Tragically Hip tunes. But us being the Indigenous act, they really wanted us to play our original song Porchlight off of our first album and include a second one from the Tragically Hip. And we had chosen uh, Fiddler's Green because it was, at the time very fitting to the the ode uh of music that we were playing which was more of the singer-songwriter folksy uh duo sound that uh, that we we had and um you know we, we were practicing and we really loved the tune we made it ourselves we made it our own and we head out to Burlington that morning and uh we weren't about we were about maybe 45 minutes or an hour away uh we were in Kentville I think at that point, and. Uh, the um, the person in charge of uh, recruiting the the artists uh, all of a sudden said, uh, um, we have a little problem. Um, Tom Wilson picked Fiddler's Green. And Tom Wilson being Tom Wilson, we were like, okay, no worries. Like, we'll, we'll figure something out. And so obviously I'm driving, so Chelsea's on Google uh, and she's checking out uh, the Tragically Hip's uh, most infamous songs and uh so we we listened to a couple and we landed on grace too and because both of us um i mean we knew that the tragically hip was the tragically hip um though at the the time you know i i never really listened to the the hip because in my mind the the songs felt too uh all over the place he had a certain way of doing things that was not necessarily on tempo and my brain works on tempo uh and so i never got into it until we started understanding it a little bit more and what he was doing for canada and and uh the grace to listening to that one and just how uh i guess um transforming it was and uh also transporting it was and we said we got to do this one. It just, it just, it it, just, it was just meant to be. So when we when we uh, arrived in in Burlington, we had probably listened to it about a hundred times on repeat <laughs> from that five hour drive. And so we said, okay, we're going to figure this out. We'll 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 pray to the ether and say, let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. And so we tried it on soundcheck, and it almost seemed very natural. Um even the sound check didn't even match what was to be performed 2 hours later that night where it just became another beast in itself and after the show i think what 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 came about was how many people came crying you know the hip community is probably one of the most loyal communities there is and you know for us we just felt so honored but at the same time really scared that we we, we for for one thing we don't do covers, and we don't want to offend the hip community. So, you know, year two came about. They we were asked to do it again, and same thing happened. We got asked so many times. Can you? Do you have this on record? Do you have it on your record? Do you have it on your album? When are you going to record it? You got to record it. So. um at that moment on the second night of the event, we're in another, another city and we had just finished playing the, the, the song and we go our respective ways and I end up in, in my side and I'm surrounded by black curtains with a bit of blue light or black light, whatever you call it. And I get this hug from a slender dude in denim. And I'm thinking to myself, he has a flat cap and everything in him. Am I having a spiritual moment? You know, and so he backs up and he says, "It's me, Mike," and Mike is the the brother of the late Gord, and so he was saying, "Thank you so much to both of us." And that you know, it, it was it was an honor to have listened to that version. And he he said, uh, "You know, you have my full blessing of uh, of having this recorded." We obviously went through the right procedures to record it with uh, with the owners of the rights and, and and whatnot. But he said, you know, as long as there is some inuktitut in it. Mm-hmm. So grace too became the way it is.
0: Mm-hmm. So we talked for a while here and just so much to talk about here. And I'm just wondering... If- what, would you, what do you want audiences to know about Twin Flames? What do, you, what do you want them to, if they were, if you're just kind of, you could do the billboard before and say, hey, this is what we're about. How would you describe it? And what's the experience someone, you're hoping someone gets by being in the audience of one of your shows?
1: I think I would just want people to know that um, we followed our dream. And even though it was really scary and so many things were up against us, um, we get to continuously live that every day, and so we just feel always so honored and so grateful to get to do what we love, and that people actually show up and uh, listen with open hearts and open ears. And I think it's it's just about bringing people together and uh, hoping that people will learn to love us as musicians and not just Indigenous musicians.
0: And the two of you look you, you you get along so well. You seem to work play off each other. That there must be
2: some magic in that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we got so used to a certain settlers that we would uh, do where one would sing and uh, one tune, and the next would sing the next. So I think I think a lot of the times, uh, all the questions seem to almost fall in order as well, uh, subconsciously where we also take our turns to to talk and um for one thing i know that my wife knows that i tend to tangent and like veer off somewhere and she'll take over in that right moment and guide me back into that
1: one spot like right now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we just hope people will come out and discover uh, what we have to offer and and hopefully it'll open up a new perspective and a new longing to learn, learn a little bit more about other people and uh, different cultures and discover a new language. Because I know for myself, I've totally fallen in love with the Inuktitut language. And uh, also the man that speaks it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> music, music has no language. Uh, music has no politics. It has no religion. And that's one thing that we try to encourage people to, to do. I mean, if you look at the syllabics in Inuktitut, it's almost as if they're musical notes. So uh, you can go watch an orchestra without any, any, anybody singing. So when you listen to Inuktitut, give it a chance because it might, it might entice that musical... Um, part that you haven't yet discovered.
1: This is a very special song to both Yai and I. Um, it's a cover song and Yai and I usually don't do cover songs, but this is an extraordinary song that we just felt such a urge to cover. You know, we were asked to be part of a Leg- Legacy Tribute concert two years ago now to honor Gord Downey and his life and his legacy. And uh, we were honored to have to learn one of his songs. and. That happened to be Grace 2. And a lot of magic happened on that stage this night that night. And we also included it on our new album, Omen, which just came out. So check that out. And uh, this is Grace 2 by the Tragically Hip. Mm.
0: It's Twin Flames and their amazing version of the Tragically Hips Grace 2. If you'd like to hear more of Chelsea and Yai's story, their music, and upcoming shows, visit their website at twinflamesmusic.com. Thanks again to you for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to connect with me or any of the guests here on the show, send me a note at barry at rebootforward.com. That's barry at rebootforward.com. Until next time, let's reboot forward.